folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Ammers. Hello everybody, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast coming to you from England. Um, just a quick announcement before we get into the main body of the podcast today, which is so fun. I was talking to Lindsay Dow from Lindsay Does Languages and uh, we just had the greatest time, great chat. Um, but just before we get into that, I wanted to let you know that the audiobook for my book Fluency Made Achievable is now available on Audible and also as a wonderful value pack on my website. Just type in Fluency Made Achievable in Audible or go to fluentlanguage.co.uk slash book and that's going to be all you need to know. Without further ado, let's start the podcast. All right, so today I have, um, instead of a guest, I've decided to have a co-host on the podcast, um, which means there'll be more talk, more dialogue, and hopefully she'll be throwing in whatever she wants to say rather than just a, being a box-standard interview. And my guest is Lindsay Dow of lindsaydoeslanguages.com. I have a dot com. Okay. All right. Hi. Hey, Lindsay. Hello. How are you? No, I'm I'm doing very well. Quite hungry, actually. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're doing What's this at lunchtime. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Lindsay, I, I assume people usually kind of listening to this will know what my website is, but do you want to talk a little bit about your website? What, you know, what, why is it Lindsay Does Languages? Um, it's Lindsay Does Languages because in 2012, when I came back from traveling, I went to work in a secondary school as a learning support assistant. And I'd done it for two years before I left, but I went to a different school and I came back and I absolutely hated it. So I left and I wanted to start my own business uh, private, offering private tuition, which I'd done part time for sort of two years before. And I sort of said, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to call it? I'm going to need a name. Oh, my goodness. And we just sat there and my boyfriend said, oh, you know, you just need a name. Just something simple like Lindsay does languages. And I was like, that's really good. I like it. And it kind of like my name is Lindsay Dow, right? So it's almost like, <laughs> I guess it's kind of like a play on words because it's just like a letter different, like Lindsay Dow's languages, Lindsay does languages. It kind of flowed. So I kept it. Yeah, I love how it's. Um, I love how there's no limit on the kind of languages that you do or anything like that. So you can kind of come in and you know, you you have instantly got a conversation started because I don't know. I don't know if you experience the same thing, but if you say to somebody that you're a language tutor, language person, you know, whatever you do with languages, everybody's first question is like, "What language do you speak? How many languages do you speak?" Yeah, um, and that's exactly. always where it starts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, it's kind of open because I don't have like, like I know that like some people feel a real affinity towards one language or one culture or something like that. I don't really have that. I guess if I did, I'd say it was Spanish, but it's it's not that strong, you know. So I am quite sort of, I'm a bit of a dabbler, I suppose. That's why <laughs> it kind of fits. Mm, and that's interesting because I... For me, it's always been English. It, yeah. You know, English has been a foreign language for me, but I just, I've always been really into England and I used to, I used to be really into Britpop. Ah, uh -huh, like kind of blur that era. Yeah, like, pulp. I'm, I am such a pulp fan. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. I learned English listening to pop songs. Oh, wow. They're quite lyrical, I suppose, aren't they? Quite kind of story-like. 
Mm-hmm. Just thinking of, yeah. Yeah, he tells stories and yeah. he, uh, he being, uh, for anybody's benefit who doesn't know who Pulp are, you need to educate yourselves. Um, <laughs> Pulp's a, a British band that I always thought was the world's most popular band. And this year a film about them came out. And I went to the cinema expecting it to be packed and there was two people. Oh, <laughs> they're not as popular as I think they are. Um, but the um, the main songwriter is called Jarvis Cocker. He's a he's also known as a radio DJ these days in Britain. Has a very nice voice, speaking voice. Um, and yes, he tells stories about people's everyday lives. Mm. So it's actually really good language learning material because he uses all those words that you don't really learn in an English word lesson and, you know, observes every little detail. And it's, it's equally about feelings as it is about everyday life. So for me, that's been, it's, it was, it was a a big resource actually. Yeah, definitely. I'd say maybe like Arctic monkeys might be like a modern day equivalent in the sort of storytelling style. Yeah. They're from the same place as well. Oh really? Apart from Sheffield? Really? Yeah. Yeah. They're from Sheffield. I didn't know that. Mm, the, f- the film's kind of about Sheffield in a way. So okay. they interview lots of sort of old grannies outside the shopping centre in Sheffield. <laughs> so, yeah, I've always had this thing for, you know, British culture. It's, it was a fascination for me because I'm from a teeny tiny village. And language for me has always been escapism. Mm. You know, it's always been, you know, looking looking over the borders. And so it's always, yeah, and England was the main thing. Because we live so near, I, where I'm from is so near France. So I think France just wasn't exotic enough for me. Yeah, I I feel that with France as well. Like it's kind of the go-to sort of foreign holiday destination as well, especially when I was young and planes were so expensive. And like I always went to France. Like now I just I have no like passion really to to go to France or anything like that. Yeah, it's kind of been there done. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's like okay, I France. I can speak good enough French. I'm happy with that. Okay, another one. <laughs> yes. So you said you went traveling. Tell me about that. Um, yeah, that particular trip, um, I went to Asia. I spent a lot of time in Asia, um, which I suppose actually was a really kind of, in terms of like languages, was a real eye opener because I had never been anywhere where I couldn't read. Now that sounds bizarre, but like I'd been to places in Europe where I didn't speak the language, um, like Prague, for example, um, and Amsterdam. And, you know, I didn't speak these languages, but I could read them. And then as soon as like I got to Thailand, so I'd been to sort of, you know, Malaysia and Indonesia and I could still read and everything was fine. I got to Thailand and I was just like, oh, well, this is this is different. And all of a sudden I was like, actually, yeah, I, I, I read stuff. And I realized that I had coped before because I could read everything around me and I even if I didn't understand it I could sort of almost make up what it meant in my head um yes yeah. so in terms of language it was a real eye-opener because then in when I was in Bangkok I bought a Southeast Asian phrase book which very helpfully covered the rest of the countries I was going to do on the trip and um I went to Burma after Thailand and absolutely fell in love with the place um and like my best memories are just being sat there with these sort of Burmese noodle ladies, just just saying random things from this book, you know, like, where do you live? And, and what, what do you do in your free time? All these just random conversation questions that I really just wouldn't have thought possible, you know? Yeah. And so some real positive memories, definitely. 
I think it's interesting that, you know, those kind of questions, they are such an achievement, especially when you're in the country. I really relate to you saying that the script suddenly throws you into, or the script or the writing system suddenly throws you into this sort of, oh my God, everything's alien. That's how I felt the first time I went to Kazakhstan, which was, yeah. I, w I went with work. Um, so I was still in a reasonably, you know, safe English environment. And um, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, business meetings and stuff that you have in English, but the road signs and anything that, you know, that would help me do anything by myself was all in, in Cyrillic and yeah. Kazakh Cyrillic next to Russian Cyrillic. Not that I was able to tell which is which. <laughs> and I still struggle with that. And it was just amazing. And I think that's when you, you, you almost feel like you, for me, it was this kind of like, Hey, challenge, this is amazing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It sort of made you think, wow, okay, now I need to learn this language to mm -hmm. be able to speak to these people. And that, that really was, a, I guess, a changing point in terms of widening my languages. Like before that, it had always been very European-based. I'd learned a little bit of Chinese with university, but very, very European. Um, and yeah, like that trip really just sort of opened my mind to the idea of like languages and, and the world, I guess, as well, in, in another sense. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people's motivation is exactly about that kind of discovering something new and exotic? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, definitely for me, I, I can speak for, my, <laughs> speak for myself on that one. Um, but yeah, like if I think about my own students, it's some of, I have some <laughs> some really interesting students who, are young and they're at school and they don't like their language lessons at school you know but their parents have said you know it's important you get you some lessons and I try and just show them something interesting like I'll, I'll use things like um, powerpoints about Spanish-speaking countries you know not just Spain places like all over you know South and Latin South, I should say Latin America shouldn't I keep it simple um mm -hmm just to kind of show them look there are these other places and they you can communicate with these people if you speak Spanish and I think that often works in making people think oh okay there's there's more to this than the meets the eye yeah I think I think keeping keeping the kind of target language interesting is 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 huge isn't it when you think about it yeah like for me English was it, it wasn't really about oh yeah you know a language that is easy to learn or um, the grammar of English isn't complicated, so I should do that one. It was the language that's going to get me out of Mülheim, my tiny village. And it yeah. was the language that's going to get me to meet Jarvis Cocker, which I still haven't. But, you know. Oh, Jarvis. Yeah, I know. Get a movie. You're playing at, man. <laughs> you know, you're aging, dude. <laughs> I was going to marry him. Um, but, you know, it was it was just, this is this is my vehicle out of my life as it is and you know it's going to get me adventure and there's always adventure in language learning so that's i think a huge motivation it's just like you know no one learns a language because they want to i don't know that they, they, they want their their life to stay the same yeah yeah definitely yeah, fascinating right i guess that's going to lead us into um the first news item So today, uh, this week, we have two news articles of the week, and they are um, The Next Tango with Paris by Tanihisi 
Coats, and that came out in the Atlantic and was actually a recommendation sent to me by Richard Gilzine, which is um, one of the listeners of the podcast. So thanks, Richard. And shall we talk about that one first? Yeah, let's do it. I think that's, that's quite an interesting, it's basically just a story, really. Tanahisi is, and I don't know if I'm saying his name right, he is an author and has been selected as a Catherine Davis Fellow, um, which is basically a scholarship that you can get. I'll put I'll put the link in the show notes in case you want to also change the world and make a positive difference. But it's for people who want to change the world. Um, and the scholarship enables them to attend an intensive language course. And the thing that I found interesting in this was that he compares language learning to something else that he did, it, or other things that he did in life that he learned. So it, to quote, he says, um, I am privileged in that I was born into a culture where no one had the right to be the best at anything. You had better dance at that party. No one cares that you can't cabbage patch. And you had better play basketball on that crate, even if you can only rebound and play D. I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> What's cabbage patch? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so uh, the, the principle is, you know, you start, he says, I've sucked at a lot of things in my life. I've also gotten better at them. At 15, I was an awful djembe drummer. By 17, I could both play the djembe, shave a goatskin, attach it to the head and string the drum. I was a bad poet, I became a better one. I was a bad reporter, I became a decent one, etc., etc. So he, he likens language learning to a lot of experiences that he has in his life where he was really rubbish and then over time became better. Um, and that's how he talked about French. And the point as well, that he says, the point is not to get great. The point is not where you're going. The point is the journey. It's hard study. Um, so stop thinking about oh, when am I going to, you know, master the subjunctive? And, you know, did I did I study four hours this week and last week? And, you know, have, have I ticked off my studies today? The point is just work as hard as you can and enjoy the journey. Um, what do you make of that, Lindsay? Yeah, I, I really like the the bit that you picked out about the, the whole idea of um, I, I was born into a culture where no one had the right to be the best at anything. It's like, yeah, like I really feel that's what language learning is about, like, there's often a lot of almost competition, you know, in terms of who speaks the most or who speaks the best and who, who gets to judge who is the best. And it's just like everything, you know, mm. it's not just language learning that has that sort of competition element. It's, it's everything. And if you take that away from it and just focus on yourself and what you can achieve and do achieve, then you, you're winning as far as I'm concerned. Mm, absolutely. I've just researched him, on, uh, which means I looked him up on Wikipedia. Um, okay. <laughs> he is American. Um, uh-huh. He is American and his father, notably a Vietnam War veteran and former Black Panther. Okay. And his father was a stay-at-home dad. So this is kind of, you know, somebody, he's from Baltimore originally. Okay, interesting. You know, this is someone who comes from this background and... I, I mean, when you think about American culture, it is, you know, the, there's a lot of value on striving. Um, but I just, yeah, it's like you say, I love, I love, I love this summary of you, you haven't got the right to be the best at this. Yeah. You know, you, this isn't really, you know, you, you're not born to be the best at language learning. You're not born to be the best drummer. You know, you, you, you've got to work hard at things. Yeah. Yeah. And who wants to be the best? If you're best at like one thing, 
then that's amazing. You're really, really good at one thing. But then what about all the other things in the world? Like, then you want to try stuff, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of my students, I I teach a lot of adults and kind of people who are actually quite accomplished and, uh, you know, really achieved a lot in their life and sort of, you know, uh, lawyers and CEOs and God knows what, you know, what, what they've done in their life. So you sort of look at them and you go, you know, wow, you know, you're so impressive. And all the time they're saying, oh, I'm so rubbish at this German thing. And yeah, I can't do it. It's really hard. Um, And it's exactly that. And what I find as well is that these people are, you know, the reason they're doing it is because they they love setting this challenge to themselves. Mm. So for me, language learning is not really about, it's exactly that. It's not about where you're going. It's about, it's about the process. Mm yeah yeah it's like you know you know it's good to have kind of the end goal of saying I want to speak um, I want to be able to have a conversation by Christmas because I'm gonna go to I don't know xyz country (laughs) and and that's 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 good you need to have that to kind of keep you focused but if it doesn't happen and you get there and you feel oh I can't have a conversation you know you have to be quite specific with the goals that you do set and also realistic I Mm. think and what comes with that is that the goals that you're setting, they're yours, aren't they? They're not, yeah. you know, you, you set your own goal. You don't follow the rules of somebody else. Yeah. And and when you're setting your own goals, then you're going to be the best unless you decide that you're not the best. So it's all about your attitude about yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. And I mean, you're a teacher like me. So yeah. we're both, you know, independent language teachers. How do you How do you work that into your lessons? How do you work with your students on getting them to set their own goals or getting them to, you know, motivate themselves? Hmm, good question. Um, I, I just try and, like, raise their confidence a lot of the time. A lot of it, to begin with, people feel, oh, I can't do this. Oh, yeah, and they'll, they'll try with me and then they'll say, oh, well, you know, I understand it, but as soon as you leave and I'm trying to speak in, in real life, I can't do it. And it's like, you can. You just need to believe that you can because then if, if you tell yourself, okay, I can do this and I'm going to do this, then you you will kind of get better at it because you want to do it. And a lot of the time it is just that initial lack of confidence that I spend time sort of building mm. almost, almost as much as teaching, <laughs> teaching the language, I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's just, you know, just pointing out to people I have found that they're doing something right, you know, because they love a lot of language learners focus a lot on the things that they can't do and they forget all the things that they can already do. Mm. So just showing people how far they've come, which is which is basically what uh, Nahisi Coates um, does as he's watching this video, right? He's watching this video of himself three months ago when his French wasn't as good and he sort of says, oh my God, I can see all the errors now. Exactly. And that automatically gives you this how far I've come feeling. So even if you feel like you're not making tangible progress, is it, is it a case of not giving up? Yeah. And I think like you say about him watching the video back, I think that's a really good idea. Like I found doing um, the I Talk I Language Challenge, for example, where I aimed to make a video every week of me doing something in the language. And I didn't um, like speak every week, but, I kind of, uh, next time, what I want to do, next next language I learn, which will be very soon, I'm really excited. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping to kind of do re- real regular 
just small, spontaneous speaking examples that I can then look back on and be like, oh, cool, I'm I'm better than that now. And I can spot my mistakes because I think that's a really good marker. Mm. Like we're saying, you know, no one has the right to be the best at anything. With doing that, you're comparing yourself against yourself. You're automatically going to be better unless you like just don't study for years and then look back and think, oh, I used to be really good and now I can't. (laughs) That's how I feel about French. (laughs) I used to be really good. And last week, somebody, you know, somebody had a conversation with me. He spoke German. And then and then we were talking about how he, you know, how he used to study in French in France. And he switched to French and I switched to French. And God, did I get a withering look. So, and I've got a French degree, so I was kind of like, oh God, oh God, oh God, I need to get better at French again. So, uh, see, I'm feeling that pressure right now, like in the it last is pressure, week. isn't it? Yeah, like I've, I know this is like I've got about two weeks, no, just over a week left of my final university level French course. And when I started, I thought, oh, that's it, six years' time, I'll be speaking fluent French, easy peasy. It's not that at all, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should go into call it into like sick forms and be like, okay, guys, just know what your expectations are going to be. You will not be fluent. It doesn't exist. <laughs> I know it doesn't. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. It doesn't exist. It's like the Holy Grail or something. It's like this thing yeah. that you just keep looking for. And you go, what's going to make me fluent? Well, nobody knows because nobody really is fluent, and that's. Exactly. I mean, it's it's maybe a sub kind of feeling of this article um you know which which emphasizes so much the journey and learning but it's also again you're never done anyway I'm, no, not, I'm not done with English I'm not done in English <laughs> exactly so you know what's what's the point of aiming to be done yeah that yeah there is there is no end point which I think that's another thing that's really nice about language learning is that you can kind of almost leave stuff and think yeah I'm kind of happy with that now move on to something else and then revisit it and not be done there's so much more you can always learn and and, and progress with which I think is really cool I love that I love that this you know just the stop trying to complete it before you move on to the next and because a lot of people get anxious about learning more than one language at a time yeah. Which is, you know, automa- you're, you're kind of automatically gonna because one makes you curious about the next and you, yeah. know, you just can't help it. Yeah. I mean, when I went to Wales to, to three weeks ago, I, I was like, oh, forget Russian, I want to learn Welsh, this is awesome. And, yeah. you know, I was really just fascinated and I thought it was really, really great. Um, but, you know, and then, and then my, my the, the, the kind of devil on my shoulder goes, you haven't done Russian yet. You haven't even, you know, you haven't done Russian. Keep doing Russian. Yeah. And it's, I mean, how many hours are there in the day? So it's, yeah, we hereby give people permission to start exploring as many languages <laughs> as they would like. Aim for 17. Please. Aim for se- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But don't show off about it. You know, it's everybody's doing it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which brings us very nicely to our second news article. Do you want to tell me about that one? Okay, yeah, I was really intrigued by this. Um, it's not a new article. It's from, let me just check, 2012. Um, but I came across it because, so I mentioned to you before we started recording the podcast how my boyfriend's recently become a primary school teacher. And the other night he was planning some maths lessons and came across this really cool way to do your nine times table where it's hard to explain because I can't see you right now. But so basically, if you hold your 10 fingers up in front of you, yeah. And you put down, say you want to do the 
um, two times ten to two times nine. Your nine times table, two times nine, right? Yeah. So you put down your second finger, which is your ring finger on the left hand. Okay. Yeah. And I'm doing, everything. I'm doing this right now, which is why I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Okay. And everything to the left of that finger is your tens, and everything to the right is your digits, your units. Okay. So you've got one on that side, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that means you've got one and an eight, eighteen. Two times nine is eighteen. Whoa. Oh, wow. I know, right? Yeah. And it works. I'm just staring at my hand going, whoa, this is amazing. I know. And if you do maths. any finger, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. so let's say I put my thumb down on my right hand. So that is, um, I want to do six times nine. So that's one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, 54. Yay. Magic. Five. Magic. Four. Oh, yeah. Six. And so I was kind of fascinated by this. Yeah, that is fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of wanted to do something about numbers today when you asked for an article because French numbers, my God. I know, I know. For anyone oh. who is not initiated with French, you first of all, count yourselves lucky. But basically, in French, if you want to say, um, hang on, if you want to say 95, for example, you have to say 4-20-15. Yeah. Because the French are crazy. You know what's, inter- <laughs> you know what's interesting? In Belgium... So I hear in Belgium, they actually have septante and non-nante. So they actually have words for 70 and 90. Whereas in French, French, um, Canadian, I don't know. But in French, French, France, French, um, you say 60, 10 for 70. And you say 420 for 80 for no reason. Yeah. The thing that's always baffled me is that it's like plus and then times. I know times, right? What? Yeah, it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but um, but yeah. So like, I, I I found this, and we've got here twelve different ways of number numbers in different languages. Um, one that's really interesting is the first one I mentioned is called Oxapmin, which says base twenty seven body part counting. So it says the Oxapmin people of New Guinea have a base twenty seven counting system. It's like twenty seven. I think yeah? that's really cool, though. It's I mean, cool, right? It makes sense when you look at it. With the with the body parts? Yeah, yeah. So you have 27 points on your body, um, and there's a picture to demonstrate. Um, yeah, you kind of number your... You, you, yeah. you kind of go from left to right, and then you count your fingers, but then you're also going wrist, um, like, elbow... Cross head. Yeah, exactly. Ear one, ear two, and so on. It's kind of like teeth, right? Yeah, uh, so yeah. it, it goes from left to right, and you can imagine a person standing there with their hands holding up. And that's what this illustration is like. So again, that's going to show up in the show notes. Um, but it is quite fascinating. So how do they say six in Oxapmin, Lindsay? So six is dopa, which means wrist, because you've got round your five fingers, and then the next part of your body that you come to is your wrist. Mm-hmm. And so that is particularly is... your right wrist as well. Yeah. It would be, yeah, I guess, yeah. So I wonder how yeah. they say left wrist. That would be, let me say, 22. 22. I don't know. But it's, it's <laughs> number 22 is your left wrist. That's quite fascinating, yeah. I quite yeah. liked, um, I quite liked, what's, I'm just going to go down. Oh, number eight, which is Bukiyip, um, another Papua New Guinea language, which we know is a, a, a Papua New Guinea has thousands of languages, doesn't it? Um yeah. And they're changing the word for what they're count 
they're changing the word for the number depending on what they're counting. So if you're counting coconuts, you say three differently to when you're counting bananas. <laughs> I guess. That's you, very you, rich. I mean, it's very it's rich very communication, tough. isn't it? It's a little bit like in, in Mandarin Chinese, there's probably other languages that do this as well with like the whole idea of measure words. Mm -hmm. So if you say, I can't think of, of many examples, I don't know much about it, but like you say, for example, um, one ruler and one pencil, the, you have a little word that goes in between the number one and the word for pencil and ruler. And that little word is for, is like a measure word for things that are long and straight. So something like that. No and then way. something that's, yeah. So then stuff that's like long and windy, like a snake and a river, I think would have the same word in the middle of the numbers. So number and then the word in the middle and then snake or river or something else that's long and windy. <laughs> String perhaps is long and windy. Let's get out of this uh, hole we've dug ourselves into. Wowza. That's... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just fascinating and i mean the bigger picture of that it reminded me of um the oh gosh okay this is something when i did translation studies we talked about the sapir wharf hypothesis have you ever heard of that oh uh, okay it's right okay so there's a linguist called wharf uh nothing yeah. to do with the star trek character and there's a, another linguist called sapir and the this wharf guy in particular they were linguists and anthropologists in the 1920s. I'm completely going to murder all of my linguistic knowledge, so do forgive me, um, everybody who's listening. But what these guys did is they came up with a theory that said that the language that you speak um, was evidence of how your mind works and how you see the world. And so so they were really, really fascinated by it. It, it, it was, it's a really interesting thing to read. Um, H O F F, something like that. Uh, right. No, he's uh, W H O R F. Yes, I am. I'm reading about him in a book at the moment called Lang called Through the Looking Glass. Through <gasps> no, sorry, Through, through the Looking Glass. Yes, it's on my. Oh, I mentioned this what two weeks ago, I think. Uh, Guy Deutscher, right? It's on my. It's on my reading list. <laughs> exactly, and yes. that's that's where that came from. So it's about the the way you describe the world being the only way you could describe the world and then your language expressing that and yeah. that's kind of where the numbering system comes in as well especially when you look at like counting coconuts and bananas that's only really mm. in countries where coconuts and bananas are really important yeah in your exactly. life right um i mean i don't that doesn't that doesn't really give any excuse for why the french count like insane people <laughs> <laughs> but it it was it's very very fascinating um and there's there's something do you do you buy into that idea of there are certain mm. things that you say that could only really be said in your language and I that's think... because they only they could only really they, they're they're about your culture they're about how you relate to people I think so. I think, like, I love the whole, like, like, untranslatable words and stuff like that. And, like, speaking of books, like, Tingo. Have you read the book Tingo? I have not. Oh, it's a fantastic book. Um, the guy's, like, called Adam. He's got a long name, like, Adam Jacob de Bonnet or something. A long, long name. Um, but it's just a list. It's like a sort of toilet book, if you know what I mean, where <laughs> you just yeah. spin it and flick through it at random pages. Um, and it's full of just little words that have, you know the longest translation there is no way to translate these words necessarily 
Um, so, for example, the title Tingo is an Easter Island word for stealing items from a friend's house one by one and never. <laughs> okay. It's... Oh, yeah, I get it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I do. There, there's a lot of culture is reflected in language, definitely. Mm. It must. And I think, okay, what, what would be what would be a particularly British expression? Um, <laughs> oh. I think there are words that, that mean something to British people that... that... Kerfuffle? Nobody, oh, kerfuffle. <laughs> yeah, or just the word awkward. You know, the, the, the unique sense of terror that that yeah. instills in a British person cannot be replicated, I think. Um, there is the word Gemütlichkeit. Do you know that one? Ah, it sounds not, familiar. Not British, it's German. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Gemütlichkeit refers to a kind of warm, comfortable, like cozy. Just, yeah, Geselligkeit is like the social version of Gemütlichkeit, I think. So Geselligkeit yeah. is like really social. And then Gemütlichkeit is cozy like oh yeah this is where i want to sit down and spend a few hours with a book that's yeah. gemütlich to to you so comfortable is kind of a way of yeah um, it's just not the same is it it's not the same exactly yeah yeah and if you you know a lot of language learners will have experienced that moment of you know between languages where you just go well it's kind of that but not quite yeah i've been thinking about awesome awesome is so awesome awesome has, has really come it's it's it used to be marvelous apparently in british and nobody says yeah. marvelous anymore yeah no you'd never say i, I don't know i say it like it's a joke like marvelous mm. it's a good good kind of you know extreme word like shall as well i've had a few students lately of you know, english students sort of say and so you're telling me in the future tense that i can use will and going to and gonna what about the word shall and i'm like well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it exists, but it just, it sounds so weird. I know, nobody talks like that, right? So you, you yeah, feel like saying, no one, no one says that. Don't say yeah. that. <laughs> so. Right, okay, I shall move on to the, the next segment of uh, the podcast, um, which is a segment that, that we've just made up for today's session, and it's basically called um, Tip of the Week. Um, and I've stolen it from another podcast. I, think, I thought it was so interesting. Um, the idea of presenting, if you have two presenters, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to name three tips or tools for language learning. And I want you, Lindsay, to tell me what you think about them and which one you would select as our tip of the week. Okay. Yeah, so tip of the week. Um, tip number one is to use uh, an online dictionary called Lingue, that's or Langue, and that is spelled L-I-N-G-U-E-E. Um, I, I don't know whether you've already used it. Lingue is an online dictionary um, that translates the words in context. So what it does is it's got this massive corpus of previous translations from the legal environment, from websites and so on. And any word that you look up, it doesn't just give you the word, it actually gives you the word and how it comes up in a lot of natural sentences so that you straight away know whether you're picking the right word. Because how many times have we, you know, picked the word out of the dictionary and then later on somebody read it and went, that doesn't make any sense, you picked the wrong one. Um, so that's language, lingue. 
Um, tip number two is something that we have actually talked about um, earlier in the conversation, which is to set goals, um, weekly goals or monthly goals or whatever suits you best. So using the goal setting techniques in your language learning, making sure that you have broken down what you want to do um, and moving away from that idea of fluency because fluency doesn't really mean anything. Um, and number three, tip number three is building yourself a mood board. So, for example, if Lindsay was learning Burmese, is that a language, Lindsay? It sure is. Yeah. So if you're learning yeah. Burmese, the idea is that you fill your workspace or you fill your language learning space with images of the noodle ladies and beautiful images of Burma and then perhaps notes of important vocabulary and sort of letters and videos. And you can do this on Pinterest or you can do it for real. Um and just fill it with a lot of motivational stuff and things that inspire you and remind you and keep you going. Um, so we have Lingue, goal setting or mood boards. What do you think? Oh, okay. I've been, I've just had a quick look at Lingue while you've been there, while you were describing it. Um, I, I am a word reference gal, like fangirl, if you like. <laughs> so I, I online word, word reference. Yeah. I shall look at that. Yeah. I just, I, I am, I really am. And so I find it really hard, like with other online dictionaries, like I always start like, oh yeah, it's really good and I'll use it. But I am a word reference fangirl. Mm -hmm. I, the forums are very useful, but I will, I will look into this. It looks very exciting. Um, mm. Mood board, I love the idea of mood boards. Um, but right now, like I, like I mentioned before the podcast, sort of in the process of moving house, I have nowhere to put a mood board. The back of my wardrobe is full of uh, student schedules. There's to-do lists all over the wall, and a mood board would just look messy. So, hang on, hang on. The back of your wardrobe? Oh yeah, like is that where um... you put things that you want to forget, <laughs> like your students? <laughs> no, like behind that, the socks? That, yeah, I didn't describe that very well, did I? So the <laughs> the inside door. The inside door of my wardrobe. Oh, I get it. Okay, yeah. right. Yes. That makes sense. So it's actually a space camp, just for clarification. Yeah. That's where Lindsay actually looks. Yes. <laughs> if you are a Lindsay student, don't, <laughs> don't worry. You're there, next to my shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind the underpants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, okay. Yeah. on the outside because the doorknob's in the way. So that's so, okay. <laughs> so mood board is a bit impractical. Mood board is, is good, but right now... Um, no, I can't. I can't do that right now. So I would have to go with goals. I think goal uh, setting, brilliant. Yeah, partly because I mean, when I did Portuguese for the language challenge, the whole idea of okay, I, like I said to Ito, I was like, right, I'll write you a blog a week. I'll do my best to get you a video each week, and that really made me on my game. Like if I'd have just said, yeah, I'm going to learn Portuguese, give it a go. I just, nah, I would have, and I'd probably still be like, hola, Michelle Lindsay. Uh, that's it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think goal setting is definitely something worthwhile. But at the same time, I, I can I add a tip to the goal setting tip? Yeah, I was just thinking, what makes a good goal? Okay. Um, yourself, like, not being obsessed with the goal, <laughs> which sounds contradictory. But it's like, say, okay, I want to do this. I need to do this. I want to do it by, let's say, this point here. But if by that point there, you, you know, you think, oh, I'm not as good as I wanted to be by this point there, sort of reevaluate it. Don't be afraid to say, okay, well, like step back. Well, why am I not as good as I thought I would be here? And and kind of 
improve on it don't just dwell on it and cry and not go back to the language mm-hmm. yeah oh good one yeah so and i would also perhaps add to that that i mean there's goal setting uh, i like to think of it as commitment as well yeah and it's really like record your goals you know like actually either tell somebody or at least write them down because you're never yes. going to do it otherwise goal setting as approved by kirsten and Lindsay. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. And I did want to ask you, I mean, we barely talked about you. One of the things that I found really fascinating about your website is that the amount and actually quality of the um, YouTube videos that you produce. So did you find that hard? Are you a techie girl or? <laughs> I'm, I'm really not a very techie girl. Um, the only reason I produce the videos is because, well, it started when I wanted to go from a informal tutor on Itokai to a professional tutor. And to do that, by the time I wanted to do it, they changed it, I think. So you had to have a video. So I was like, oh, no, I was like, I need to make a video. But I didn't want to just be like sat in front of the computer like, hello, I'm Lindsay. I can teach you. I wanted to make something that really stood out. And so my boyfriend makes videos and um is sort of filmy and has a degree in media production so that's kind of his thing so I borrowed all of his stuff and said right I want it to look like this he's like yeah okay we can do that and he helped me make the first one the I talk I introduction video Mm -hmm. and he was like this is this is good you've like got a really good format here and I think it would work you should make videos I was like okay maybe I could make one like once a month he's like no 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 try and do it once a week I was like oh I can't do that (laughs) but I can and I I do it most weeks at the moment like I said with sort of um degree and moving house everything's a bit crazy but hopefully soon I can get back into the habit of weekly but I'm trying to do at least fortnightly right now um but yeah I do now make them all myself and put them together and plan them and edit them and draw little pictures to go on them and all sorts Mm, have you found that I, I think you really stand out in the YouTube community because Lindsay's videos are not about, um, look at me and how many languages I can speak. And now I'm going to demonstrate how to say something in 20 languages because I am awesome. But instead you're, you're, you know, you just really have fun and you know, it's, it's very approachable and really friendly videos. I really like, you know, I really like following them. Thank you. That's the aim. I, I felt like there was so many kind of, um, people almost, like like I like teaching language and mm. not a lot of people really talking about it as much um and if if it was talking about it I felt it was almost intimidating like I think one of the first videos I made was called what is language because I just had this really strong idea in my head of things I really wanted to just say um and when I get I YouTubed it and I typed in what is language and the ones that came up were very like well this linguist has said that uh, language is a form of and that is referenced and supported by and I was like oh man I I just want to tell people without having to write a reference and note sheet at the, in the comments you know yeah absolutely this. So, yeah I yeah thank you I appreciate that we have something in common there because I remember when I started blogging about languages and I mean video is I need to do more video oh my god I, I like podcasting because um you know I can just about handle the editing and again it's I'm technologically comfortable with it um but for me it was also when I started blogging I really felt like I've got something to say I need to get this out 
you yeah. people right okay so here here's me saying my thing and that was you know it was really there's a lot of passion behind it and i think that makes the best that makes the best people online yeah thank you that's very kind that's all right <laughs> do you have any blogs or podcasts that you follow that you kind of you know have an eye on or find inspiring yeah. or whatever interesting yeah i guess um i use blog loving to kind of keep track of everything um and i there's a few that i really like at the moment um obviously there's the sort of standards you know like benny lewis and things like that um but i really like uh coco the polyglot uh, yeah i find it really interesting because he's very honest about things like failure so uh -huh. oh, I, I felt quite bad because I, I kind of encouraged him on, I think, Google Plus or something to do the I Talk I Language Challenge last time around. And he's like, OK, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then it, I sort of followed him all the way through. And then at the end, he's like, oh, well, I failed. I didn't do enough lessons. And I was like, oh, no, I feel really bad because like, I got you to do this. Yeah. But he's very honest about it and says, you know, why did I fail? And what did I learn from what I actually did? So it's not a case of failing. It's just a case of he didn't do enough lessons to get his I took I credits back. It doesn't mean that he's failed, you know? And I find him very honest. And so I, I, I like that. I think that's... Where's he from? Um, I think he is Swedish and possibly part English. Oh. I think there's a Swedish link. Excellent. Right, so we have Coco the Polyglot. You got anything else that you want to recommend? Yeah. Um, I really like Language Surfer. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great blog, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Again, very honest, you know, sort of, we, we try different things, like, um, I think it was something like 10,000 or 100,000 words a day, and, like, you think, ah, oh, sounds crazy. Is that even possible? But when you think about it, it is. It's not a case of learning those words. It's a, it was a case of exposure to that many words, which I guess is what we do and is what happens every yeah. day. If you, did it have to be 100,000 different words? Or if you're reading a text and you have and in there twice, does that count? I can't remember what his, his sort of exact... I don't think it was like a specific, like, I'm going to count them all, kind of. <laughs> that would be slightly crazy. <laughs> that's, that's how I instantly... That's why I'm not very good with big numbers, because I start counting and I just, I, I'm very accurate with yeah. that. You count in the, uh, in the French way, though. Is that why it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just count all my fingers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. I really like uh, Omniglot, which is a slightly different blog. Yes. Um, it's um, The Omniglot blog is not really full of, um, uh, he doesn't really, hmm. Simon who writes Omniglot tends to be, look at a lot of things more from the linguistic side. So when he finds a cognate, so say something in Welsh that where you look at it, like when I was in Wales, they had their word for church looks almost like the French word for church. Um, and Simon kind of is really good at finding those coincidences, pointing them out. His articles are really, really short. Um, he writes about Welsh, Cornish, uh, Scots Gaelic a lot. Um, and he has a mystery recording, I think, every week. So there's a recording in a language, you have to guess the language. And I, ne I never get them. I do I do like that um, blog. And that website as a whole is just a fantastic resource. Yeah, it's a great resource. Amazing. It's so good. Yeah. So yeah, we, we, love, we love Omniglot. Um, what else do I like? I like, um, I, I follow a few Russian language blogs, although they usually just make me feel quite guilty for having done no Russian. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Um, and I, out of the, out of the language learning blogs, I like following, I will teach you a language, which is Ollie Richards. Uh -huh. 
Yeah. I think I think what he writes is usually quite good. But from from being a teacher, more on the teacher side and less on the language learning side recently, um, uh, I follow a lot of French blogs. There's one called A Frog's Life, um, oh. which oh. is a French girl in London, and she illustrates sort of um, in, in a little bon dessiné, you know, a little comic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she illustrates scenes from her life, and it's always really funny. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, A Frog's Life, that one is. Frog's Life. Have you seen Itchy Feet comics? Recently, yeah. I, I've been, is it always about languages? There was just one about German. There's quite a few. I think there's quite a few about language. Yeah. I'm going to add that, actually, because I think it, I thought it was really, really interesting. Yeah, they're cool. I like them. And there's a really funny one called Oh My God, My Wife is German. What, an Itchy Feet comic? Uh, no, that's another blog. Mm. Mm. The name of the blog is Oh My God, My Wife is German. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he has he's really it's it's a very um it's a very funny writing style he, the guy's american um and moved from i think portland in the usa moved to germany with his uh, german wife oh. uh, it's funny for me because there used to be i don't know whether you remember there used to be a blog back in the day of the internet called things my girlfriend and i have argued about no. it was also made into a book and it was a guy called mill millington and it was about this is mostly think this is funny because I'm German and my boyfriend's English. Um, it was about an English man suffering um, from having from the affliction of having a German wife. <laughs> the affliction. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just very very funny because it's like she's bossy. She she, she you know she she can't stop making cakes etc. So it's it's not really as much about language, but it's about you know the little cultural quirks. And I love looking at the things that people notice about Germany because I'm a German expat so it reminds me of home and I just start nodding and going oh my god yeah we, we do do that we do love insurance and you know we don't cross the road on red and <laughs> we love insurance oh my, yeah life insurance car insurance home insurance anything insurance I have an insurance in case what is it um, Arbeitsunfähigkeitsversicherung. They all have really long names as well. Okay. Which is an insurance for should you be unable to do your job. So that like, you know how you know how like J Lo has insured her butt. Um, oh. Right. So she can do her it, job without her bum. Is that the? Yeah. Yeah. So if if J Lo broke her bum, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, the insurance would pay out because she can't do her job anymore. Um, and in Germany, there is that insurance as well, and a lot of people take that out. We love insurance. Wow, I, I used to work at Argos. You know Argos if you work in the, if you live in yes, the UK. Argos being a UK like a just a, a weird a, shop. It's How like, do you describe it? I don't know. It's like the Woolworths of of Britain, but like you, more. It's, like, it's a catalogue store. So you go to this you go to this shop and. You don't actually see what you're buying. You just see a catalog, and then you tell you have to do a little check of whether it's in stock on a tiny computer. And if you're lucky, it's in stock, and then some teenager brings it out to you. Is yeah, that, is that a good description? That's pretty much it. I was that teenager at one point, <laughs> and <laughs> when when you work on hotels, you have insurance for everything. Like people will buy like a three ninety nine kettle, and it will come up, and it will say, "Ask for insurance. Would you like to insure that for three years for one forty nine?" Honestly, people are like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? What what now? It's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Three ninety nine on a kettle. <laughs> buy a new one, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, a German would probably insure that. 
Wow. Yeah, we, we like insurance, Germany, and we, we like certificates as well. So again, there's, you know, there's certain, I guess, cultural aspects and yeah. tidbits. And I that's what I love about language learning. Yeah. It's like a manner, a way in which to learn about culture, I guess, isn't it? You could read about it in a book or you could learn the language and kind of experience it a bit more, I guess. Yeah. And in the book, it would say, and they call this this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impossible to it's impossible to explore language without culture. Yeah. Also, there we go. And that's a reference to um, David Manseray's colleague podcast called Language is Culture. So there you go. Now you know why language is culture. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I think we have pretty much covered all that we wanted to cover um, in the podcast. But Lindsay, tell people where to find you on the Internet. Uh, like everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So my website is lindsaydoeslanguages.com. YouTube, just search Lindsay Does Languages, Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, Pinterest, Instagram, Blog Loving, 8Tracks, Tumblr. There's probably more. Wow. Okay. So oh, social media. Everywhere what? on the internet. Yeah. You can find Lindsay. And how do you spell Lindsay? Oh, okay. This is this is another reason why it's good to have my name in my like company name. Because like all my life, I've gone through life with people not spelling my name correctly. And now... People are finally getting it. It's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Silent D and an A. That's right, a silent D. So L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Exactly. Does yeah. languages dot com dot Twitter dot Facebook dot the yeah. world dot anything. Do you have a Starbucks name? A Starbucks name? I have a Starbucks name because nobody can spell Kirsten right. Oh, no, I get freaked out by that. I have, my, my Starbucks name is Abigail. Oh, okay. It's what my cat is called. <laughs> so I, I, I just I just gave up on anybody writing Kirsten um, because I had Crystal Tristan. Oh, After Tristan, I gave up. Yeah, I'm I'm very tempted to do the whole Princess Consuela banana hammock next time. See if they can fit it on a cup, and secondly, see if they can spell it all right. I might I'm <laughs> <ready> for that. <laughs> I think you'll yeah. It'd be interesting to see what is on that cup. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> There's a video actually of um, a comedy video, which I'm going to put in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to make a note. Comedy video Starbucks that my friend showed me, which is um, a Starbucks barista. I hope it's not a real Starbucks barista. Um, talking about how the videos that, um, no, the videos, the name that he writes on your Starbucks cup is deliberately spelled wrong because he loves that moment when you look at it and you go, What? <laughs> and they come, uh, you know, about coming up with elaborate names to spell names like Dave completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. That's funny. Right. Okay. So we we've talked about everything and languages. <laughs> yeah. uh, this has been this has been really fun. Thank you very much for being on the show, Lindsay. Okay. Thank you for asking me to come and join you. Okay. So bye bye everybody. Bye. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast in iTunes, particularly if you enjoyed it. And don't forget that you can also let me know what you're thinking. You can email Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can follow me on Twitter, and it's simply Fluent Language on there. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.